When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday uh, to you and yours. Uh, Hope you all had a marvelous weekend. Um, We got some news to cover. Tom Brady's coming out of retirement. Naomi Osaka uh, clowned herself. And we'll talk about that with uh, Royce White. Uh, we'll see if, you know, people making mental health excuses. I don't know if you, Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, got her brains beat in on the tennis court and then snatched the microphone to tell the audience that someone, or tell the crowd that uh, someone yelled, you sucked, and it made her cry. And it just reminded her of when she was at Indian Wells or when the Williams sisters, and they got booed 20 years ago. And, uh, anyway. Uh, Naomi Osaka is weak, embarrassing, attention starved, shallow, and uh, you know, well, I'm going to defer to some degree to Royce White. He's the mental health expert, but I I just can't take it how soft these athletes have come. I'm calling her Naomi Westbrick, uh, the the queen of the victim Olympics. Anyway, we'll do that uh, a little bit later in the show. Uncle Jimmy will be here. Uh, to help me talk about uh, my approval rating of Tom Brady. And uh, he's got some video he wants to show. Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving and Mike Wilbon are all in the news, kind of mixed together about New York's uh, vaccine policy. We'll talk about that with Uncle Jimmy. Uh, but we're going to start uh, with me talking about uh, Tom Brady. It's kind of an unscripted monologue. because. My passion for this topic, I'm interested, highly interested in this topic, Brady coming out of retirement, but I don't know if I'm passionate about the topic. Highly interested and intrigued. I want more information. I want a deeper understanding, Uh, but it was hard for me to come up with a full script and model because I'm just not passionate. My convictions aren't that strong. And the one we're bringing on TJ Moe, uh, TJ is our resident uh, Brady expert. He's a huge Tom Brady fan, had a cup of coffee with the New England Patriots when during Brady's career. Uh, he passionately follows Tom Brady's career arc and all of that. Uh, so I, I just have some initial thoughts and this will sound like I'm trashing Brady uh, and maybe I am. But, but what I want to be clear about is that Brady has never been like LeBron James until the last couple, two or three years. And I think what's going on here in Tampa 
is that Brady's coming completely out of his shell as a LeBron James-like figure in professional football. And so success works the exact same as talent. See, LeBron James was born with an incredible amount of talent, maybe more talent, athletic talent, than anybody six foot nine has ever been born with. And, and when you're that talented, it creates a sense of entitlement. It, it create you have incredible leverage. The rules don't apply to you. And you know that you can break all the rules because you're sitting on talent. It's, it's like you're like an attractive woman. No one ever tells you what they really think. No one ever chastises you in a real way because you have incredible talent, perfect breasts, perfect butt, pretty face, perfect eyes, perfect skin tone. That's what it's like being six foot nine and being able to jump out of the gym and have incredible stamina and all the natural gifts that LeBron James had. And so LeBron James, uh, has conducted his NBA career for the last decade, decade and a half, as if he's the only one that matters. When things go well, uh, he's great. When things go poorly, he'll jump ship. Uh, he will point fingers. He will uh, throw a tantrum until he gets his way. We never saw that from Tom Brady in New England. Tom Brady came into the uh, NFL uh, as a six-round pick. Tom Brady came into the NFL not as someone destined for greatness. Tom Brady, there's the famous picture of Tom Brady at the Combine. He doesn't look like anybody's Hall of Fame quarterback. He looks like a future uh, car salesman, accountant, uh, maybe, hell, I, don't even, I wouldn't even say supermodel or whatever because I don't think when he entered the NFL he was considered all this heartthrob, attractive person. And so Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and New England and that system were a perfect fit <clears throat> because Tom cared about every detail. Tom bought into the team system. Tom... Uh, put his ego secondary to Bill Belichick and the culture that Bill Belichick was trying to create. Tom Brady, the perfect patriot. Now, after being there 20 years, winning six Super Bowls and becoming Tom Terrific, Super Tom, and, and the greatest quarterback of all time, what we saw at the end was Tom Brady starting to transition into the LeBron James stage of his career, where again, success works the same as talent. You have an inordinate, incredible amount of success. It does to your mind the exact same thing that talent does. And so here we are at the end of Tom Brady's career. He's drenched in success. He's won a seventh Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so now here Tom Brady is, it's my way or the highway. I'm doing you a favor by even continuing to play. 
And so by continuing to play and doing you this favor, it's going to be my way or I'm taking the highway off ramp uh, and I'll go sit out and maybe next year I'll go play uh, somewhere else after my contract with Tampa's out. So Tom Brady yesterday had two tweets and, and they appear disconnected, but I think they are highly connected. The first tweet he put out, I think at like two o'clock in the afternoon, my time here in Nashville. Uh, and he was, this is on Sunday. He's tweeting about something that happened on Saturday. Thanks to Manchester United and the Glazier family for hosting me and my boys yesterday. So lucky to be able to share experiences like this with them. I think the Glaziers are a part of the ownership group of Manchester United, certainly the ownership group of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so Tom Brady is thanking the Glacier family and letting you know that the Glaciers personally hosted he and his two sons at Old Trafford. They're over in the UK watching uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, take on what a Harry Kane and uh, Tottenham Hotspurs. Did I get that right, Tottenham Hotspurs? Yeah. So you guys thought I didn't know anything about the Premier League. I'm secretly uh, not a fan. Uh, but anyway, Ronaldo uh, scores three goals, the hat trick, and Brady's all excited, and he's letting us know. Man, the Glacier family, I'm retired, and the Glacier family's still taking care of me. Then four hours later, Brady drops the news. This is on Sunday. Four hours after putting out the thanks to the Glacier family who owned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, you know, taking me and my boys over here to the uh, UK to watch some soccer. Uh, these past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supporter family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. What is LFG? Life? Let's let's F and go. Oh, that's what LFG is. Let's F and go. Uh, and so I sat here when he retired and said, I, I blamed it on NFL COVID protocols. I said, when, that, when the protocols are over, Tom Brady's going to come back. And so now I'm sitting here saying, okay, this wasn't the protocols, but my thinking was right. Tom Brady's not really retiring. He's not done with football. There's some agenda he's trying to accomplish. And so it was either the protocols, which the NFL now has kicked to the curb, uh, COVID's in the rearview mirror, the Ukraine war is now our obsession. Uh, no one, the new death toll count we're doing now is over in, U in the Ukraine. We don't care about COVID anymore. But I I'm gonna say I was wrong about COVID playing a role in, in Brady's decision. But he did have an agenda and he was never really tired, retired. And, and that's why last week or the week before someone came out to report, hey, Brady hasn't stopped training. He's still carrying a water jug everywhere he goes. Brady still wants to play in almost weeks. At, the guy was only retired for six weeks, 40 days. And it seemed like 10 days into his retirement, we started hearing leaks that, oh, he may come back. 
And, and then two or three weeks ago, uh, Bruce Arians is at the combine and says, nope, Tom Brady's retired. Uh, you know, he, it's about his family. I'd be shocked if he came back. He's not coming back. This is what Bruce Arians is saying. Everybody, the reporters close to Tom Brady are saying, hey, man, this guy's working out. He's carrying a water jug. Nothing's changed. Mm, sure seems like Tom Brady's staying in game shape and maybe he'll come back. That, that was almost instantaneous. Tom Brady just bullied the hell out of Bruce Arians. There is a disconnect between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady hopped on a plane, a private one, I'm sure, with the Glaziers and went over to the UK and on that plane ride there, on the plane ride back, while watching uh, Ronaldo and Manchester United, they sat there and talked about, hey man, we know you still wanna play. You know you still want to play. What do we need to do? What guarantees do we have to make in order for you to play? And they made those guarantees. And I assure you, some of them had to do with, well, Bruce Arians can't do X, Y, and Z, or it has, it has to be my way or the highway. And this is, now what I will give Brady credit for, because he's nearly 50, this is a mature, slicker approach than, than what LeBron James does. LeBron, back in his old heyday, would just leak stuff to Chris Broussard or whoever he trusted in the media to passively aggressive, would take pot shots at the head coach. Uh, you know, and, and again, LeBron's younger than Brady. If, if LeBron were able to play until he's 44, 45 like Brady, maybe he would be handling things the way Brady is. This is not me shredding uh, LeBron James. This is like the difference in being 44 and being LeBron when he was 30 or 28 and how he handled things. This is Tom using the system and no different than LeBron used the system. Uh, but again, Tom's just doing it in a more sophisticated, mature fashion because he's more sophisticated and mature than LeBron was back then. But the way LeBron was in bed with all the media, is the way Tom Brady's in bed with a great portion of the football media. No one's gonna criticize Tom Brady. Again, success grants you the same amount of privilege as talent. If you have an equal amount of success as someone else who's extremely talented, you get to behave just like them. And so whatever it is that Tom Brady does not like, did not like about the way Bruce Arians is, what is or was running the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady just quit for 40 days to get that to stop. He just punked, bullied Bruce Arians. He went over Bruce Arians' head. Same way you ever see uh, someone on your workplace, work environment, when they go over their boss's head, because they, 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 they're, the, they're on the sales team and they're generating more sales than anybody else on the sales team by three and four times. And so that salesman doesn't have to listen to his direct supervisor. And if there's a problem with his direct supervisor, he just goes over the supervisor's head to the real boss ownership and says, I'll take these sales over to Xerox or I'll go home, I've made enough money, I'll just go home and lay up with Giselle. Or you can get this guy 
to do things my way. And so I, I, I say all this not to trash Brady. I say all this to say the human mind, human beings, when, when given a set of circumstances, they're going to respond the exact same way. And so we're looking at Tom Brady operate the exact same as LeBron James. LeBron James does it because he was blessed with an incredible amount of talent and then added success onto that talent. Tom Brady has been blessed with an incredible amount of success. He has some talent, but he's using that success the same way other supremely athlete, supreme athletes use their talent of athleticism. No different. Spoiled, entitled, my way or the highway, that's the mentality. I'm not trying, Tom Brady has, in some people's mind, earned this, but to me, I look back at all of this, I, I start reevaluating my thoughts on what Bill Belichick was dealing with in New England as Tom Brady started to pivot because success was making him pivot. Giving in to Bill Belichick in his way, ah, I'm done with that. I got six Super Bowl rings, Bill. We're going to have to adjust and start doing things my way. I'm no longer the same guy that I was the first 15, 16, 17 years here in New England. I am now smothered in success. The media worships me. Uh, no one can question me. So I'm going to start pushing back. Bill Belichick is sitting there like, I'm smothered in success too, Tom. I'm just like you. It's going to be my way or the highway. So Tom, you and your new attitude, bye-bye. I got no problem with what Bill Belichick did. I can't even say I have a real problem with what Tom Brady did, but let's just recognize who Tom Brady is right now. He's white LeBron James. That's my fire. Let's see if I've offended uh, TJ Moe, a, a Brady homer, uh, a, a former, briefly, although briefly, I don't want to make too much of a former teammate of Tom Brady, but someone who has followed Brady in his line of thinking. And I believe TJ said uh, on this show that he thought Brady and Bruce Arians were at an impasse and that Brady retired because he, you know, he was kind of tired of Bruce Arians' spit. And, and so... I don't know if TJ's surprised by any of this or what his thoughts are, but uh, TJ, uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, we'll, we'll start with a, more, a general question. What did you think of my explanation of what's going on with Tom Brady? Is it fair to compare him to LeBron James? You will never hear me agree with you when you say that Tom Brady is the white LeBron James. So we can start with that. But I will tell you, I agree with probably 70% of what you just said. I just think there's some differences in how you operate at the end of your career when you've decided you aren't looking to, to continue building over a you know, 10, 15, 20 year period. 
then LeBron was doing this early. As you mentioned, he was, you know, 28 or whatever it was. I think there was a big difference between what we saw with him compared to now at the end of his career with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is at the very end of his career where individual teams, we saw the, the Broncos do it with Peyton Manning. We've seen the Rams basically mortgage their entire future to go get the Super Bowl right now with their new stadium. Every team is looking for the Super Bowl right now because most of them, if they don't have an unbelievable quarterback like Tom Brady, they're not going to build for 10 or 15 or 20 years. So Tom decided he was done building and he was done with the weather and done with the, the crazy things that were happening in New England uh, as far as G, as Belichick's, you know, my way or the highway attitude. Um, I, I think I told you that uh, Darrell Revis at one point said, you're going to win some championships in New England, but you're not going to have any fun doing it. And so I think Brady was tired of that. He's going towards the end of his career, and it's not building time anymore. It is win right this second. And if you can't get along with your head coach, which I don't think he is with Bruce Arians, then this is the type of thing that happens. The, the, the one big part, a big disagreement I would have with you is I actually don't think this was manipulation or an empty threat. I actually think Tom Brady was trying to get out. And so he wasn't trying to go over his head. And, and I would look at his tweet. You mentioned that you'd put the two tweets together. And that's how, uh, you know, you, you said you, you didn't think that they were um, mutually exclusive. The first one was thanking the Glazer family. So he says, I love the owners. Then he specifically mentioned, I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. He didn't mention the coaches which I think is pretty important when you're talking about the people that you have to deal with every single day going in and out and the guy that you have to trust to make the right decisions for you to go win championships at the end of your career. So he didn't mention the coaches. And the second thing he did is he said at the end, I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Why did he feel like he needed the qualifier that it was going to be in Tampa Bay? Because I remember the other goat, Michael Jordan sent a fax with two words. I'm back. And every last one of us knew that it was in Chicago. It wasn't going to be a question whether or not he was going to be somewhere else. So I actually think there were two destinations that Brady was looking for. One of them was Tennessee. He played with Mike Vrabel. John Robinson spent 12 years with him in New England. He knew what he was going to get from those guys. The other one would have been his childhood dream team. And that was the 49ers who proved this year that if they just had a quarterback, they could probably go win a Super Bowl. So I think the 40 days was him trying to figure out how he could get out of this contract. And he probably spent Saturday talking to the Glazer family, realizing he had no out. It was either retirement or Tampa Bay. So he got the assurances that you mentioned. And he doesn't have to deal with Arians in the way that he did the past two years. So, but, but, but at some point you said like he wasn't going over their, his boss's head or, I mean. No, no, I just he, don't think it was manipulation. Meaning he went he, over his head after the fact because he was actually trying to leave. You follow me? I think he wanted to go. I think he was done with Arians. And so after the fact, it's a little different than kind of the stuff we, we've seen LeBron get six or seven coaches fired over his time, um, sometimes multiple, you know, the same coach multiple times. I don't think Brady was trying to say, hey, Arians, I control this. You're going to do what I say. I think Tom said, I'm out. And then realized he couldn't be out and had to figure out how to deal with it secondhand. And he had to do it before free agency started, which is why this announcement came 17 hours before uh, free agents were allowed to start talking to other teams. Okay, so do you, should we, not you, do you have a problem with people like perhaps myself 
who don't like the process he just used to solve this. Because he, in my view, he never intended to retire. That was a bluff. That he Agreed. was never retiring. So that, that's, that's a bluff. That's manipulation. That's lying to the public. And again, I'm not offended by any of this. So don't, I don't want anybody to hear this and think like I'm trashing Tom Brady. But in, in, instead of putting people through this game of, oh, I'm going to fake retire, and then 40 days later, I, even though you never stop, we had report, guy's still carrying a water jug around. He has, he's carrying himself every day like he intends on playing next year. Uh, why not just come out and say what your agenda is or not or don't retire, don't announce some retirement, go to the Glaziers and try to work it out beforehand. Hey, I'm either going to retire or I want out of here, but don't announce some false retirement that anybody with any common sense could see was was false and a bluff. I agree with that. That's LeBron James S. That that's passive aggressive. That's LeBron James S. I do agree with that. Plausible deniability, I think, is what he's looking for here. And that is that he doesn't have to tarnish his own relationship and be the guy when he's 44 years old demanding a trade publicly and I can't get along with this coach and you know it's my way or the highway. All he has to say now is you guys you, he, Tom Brady is is notorious for saying look, I'm only responsible for what I say. I'm only responsible for my stuff. Whatever rumors, I, I'm not going to address those. It's got nothing to do with me. So Tom can just say, "Hey, listen. I went home and I started taking care of my kids and I, I felt like I had no purpose for about six weeks and I came back and we're good to go. And so his legacy is never the guy. LeBron James did this stuff openly and it's possible that you're right that Tom is, is doing the same thing behind the scenes, but Tom will never publicly know Tom is that guy because according to him and Bruce Arians and and maybe we'll find stuff out later, but he can just say, hey, listen, I thought I was ready to retire in a game that I played for my entire life. I missed it too much. I, I just wasn't ready. And I came out of retirement. And I'm going right back to battle with my same guys, my same coaches. I didn't ask for anything. So I think it's a it is a legacy. You know, we always talk about guys at the end of their careers care way more about their legacy than just championships and then and just winning games and all that. Tom Brady is seriously at the end of his career where his legacy is the most important thing to him. Got it. All I'm going to say is that LeBron James, when he was way out of the closet and, and doing, getting coaches fired and pushing, he, he was young, a lot mm. younger than Tom Brady is right now at 44. Just because Brady's packaging it better doesn't mean it's any different than LeBron James. And, and if LeBron James were 44, he would package it better. But, you know, he hasn't reached 44 yet. And when he was really having his problems, first go around in Cleveland, uh, problems with Eric Spolstra uh, in Miami, he was in his 30s or early 30s or not even quite yet 30. And, and, and then, you know, he, he got into that habit and it kept working for him. And so it's followed him the rest of his career. He's probably gotten a why not, and he's a bit more honest and transparent than Brady. But here Brady is. It's the, he's bullying. Would you agree he's bullying Bruce Aarons? 
Hmm. I'd have to spend some time thinking about that. I think, I think it's a bad move to ever allow players to dictate terms, no matter how talented they are, because it sets a really bad precedent. This is what we see in the NBA. The NBA, it's all about the players. People don't even know who the coaches are half the time. And you, we've allowed them to dictate terms. So that's how super teams were born. That's how a lot of things get out of hand. And I don't think that's the proper way to handle things. I think, I think again, it sets a bad precedent. And you end up not having the proper hierarchy and people don't get to fill the job description that they were hired to execute. So that is a problem to me. Uh, I think I think Tom, if he if he didn't like the situation with Arians, should have vetted him better. It's not like Arians is a first year head coach. Arians has been the same guy since he's been in the league and he's an old man. He's He's got a serious resume. So if anybody screwed up in this deal, it is Tom Brady not vetting him properly. I, I don't think Bruce Arians is any different than he's ever been. So hold I, for one second, hold for one second. It, it's hard to complain about the vetting process when it leads to a seventh Super Bowl and a Super Bowl in year one in Tampa. I can't fault him because, again, it's not like he could pick any team he wanted. He had to pick a team that could win right now, who had an availability of quarterback. Look, if he could go back in history and if Tennessee could go back in history, he would go to the Titans and they would have found a way to discard Ryan Tannehill. But Tennessee thought they had a quarterback. They should have consulted with me. I would have told them. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just think I can't blame his vetting process. He won a Super Bowl year one. I, I can get on board with that. I, I think his big mistake was signing in a, a more than one year extension, meaning he should what the brilliance of LeBron is going year to year. Should have went full LeBron, should have went full LeBron James and signed a series of one year contracts. Yes. So he'd always and, and have a, again, he's LeBron. He is LeBron James. Well, the difference here is that he wouldn't have had to manipulate anyone if he'd have done that. Right. He could have just left. And then we wouldn't be having this discussion. And so that's where he would, he would have separated from LeBron because he wouldn't have been – he's just saying, hey, look, I have my two years here. It was good. We won a title. I've always dreamed of playing for the 49ers. And none of us would have looked at that and said it was crazy. But instead, you did what it ha- you had to do in order to make the salary cap work. And that was all – the extension was fully a salary cap play. He didn't want to be locked in anywhere. It was to make sure other guys had the money so that he could have the right guys around him. He got locked in. And well, you can make the argument the biggest and only mistake that Tom Brady made putting himself in this position was signing the extension that locked him into Tampa Bay when he wanted to go elsewhere. You got anything else you want to say, uh, TJ? Please do not call Tom Brady LeBron James. It hurts my heart. <laughs> it's the truth. And I'm not even I'm not even being negative. The guy's got seven Super Bowls. It's not even negative. I'm just trying to help people understand when people get an embarrassment of talent or success, they tend to start acting in their own self-interest over everything else. And that's fact. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> in every profession, that is a fact. Everybody in this, I could rattle off name after name after name in the media industry uh, who come in with one attitude, have, it doesn't even take much success. You can have a teeny weeny bit of success in the media business, and the next thing you know, you're, you're Howard Cosell and Walter Cronkite 
and you know you better have the right color M&Ms and, and water at 36 degrees uh, sitting in their dressing room. But anyway, TJ, thank you. Uh, we got to move on. I'm going to talk about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Even though grocery prices feel like they doubled, Good Ranchers prices have stayed low and affordable. And once you subscribe, your price never goes up. Inflation won't impact you here because your price is locked in for life. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of grocery shopping. They make mealtime easy, convenient, and less stressful. Plus, their packaging makes it easy to cook what you want and save the rest, which keeps you from wasting anything. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless right now. Good Ranchers sources everything from local farms and ships straight to your door. Use my code fearless and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. My mother's getting a box of Good Ranchers this week and she don't even know it. Uh, this deal was too good for me to pass up. So I sent my mother, I think the Cowboy Classic and the uh, seafood box. She'll get it this week. She don't even know it. It's going to be her surprise. You guys need to be supporting Good Ranchers too. All right, uh, stick around. Royce White. Erks. Welcome back. Uh, welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uh, as I said earlier, we're going to roll out to Minneapolis and bring in Royce White to talk a little Naomi Osaka. Uh, Naomi Osaka, I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend. I can't pronounce the name of the woman that beat the brakes off of her. I think 6064 uh, in tennis. Naomi Osaka uh, was heckled by one person inside the stadium. Probably about, this is at Indian Wells. Uh, Naomi Osaka is the half Japanese, half black uh, tennis player that I think has won four majors and at one time had reached number one in the world. Uh, she has now since claimed mental health issues and she stepped away for a little bit and she's had a little controversy. Well, she gets the braids beat off over this weekend, grabs the microphone and says that, uh, you know, Someone heckled her and it reminded her of Serena and Venus 20 years early and she cried and blah, 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 blah. I think we have the clip of Osaka and her uh, Jussie Smollett type acting performance uh, yesterday or this weekend. I've gotten heckled before, like it didn't really bother me, but um, it's like heckled here, like I've watched a video of Venus and Serena getting heckled here and if you've never watched it you should watch it and I don't know why but like it, it went into my head and I it got replayed a lot um I'm trying not to cry but uh, I just wanted to say thank you and um congratulations and yeah just thank you Out of about 10,000 people, one person's voice can't weigh out 9,999 others. And we love you here. 
And I appreciate the announcer for politely clowning her that, hey, one person yelled something at you, you suck, allegedly, and 999 people, uh, or 9,999 people cheered for you. And I'm just sorry, this is weak to be, all it takes is one person and you're breaking down. When I think about what Jackie Robinson endured, what athletes, in that arena, again, the reason why she's made 50 some odd million dollars is because fans, which is short for fanatical, have an over the top passion for sports competition. And so if you eliminate fans, fanaticism, over the top passion, she never makes 50 some odd million dollars playing a game. It just doesn't happen. And so that fanaticism that drives interest in sports and sometimes goes over the top. But I'm not even sure you suck goes over the top. The things I've shouted as a fan, you suck would be high class. People have been yelling you suck at athletes for hundreds of years. You can go all the way back to the gladiator days. And I'm just sorry, I can't go for, oh, well, she's a girl and it's different. I'm not going for that in this society where uh, now we're bending over backwards to put women in unprotected spaces that had been just for men. If you can fly off to war at 18, surely to God, a woman can handle someone yelling, you suck. And if Naomi Osaka is so mentally fragile that one person yelling at her, her coach, her parents, her handlers, her shoe endorsers, all of these people should gather up together and take her off the court. She's so mentally fragile, she's not ready to play. She's not built for it. You've milked that cow. Let it go. If all it takes is one person yelling at you. And, and, and this is weak, it's embarrassing, but it's typical of athletes. She's no different than Russell Westbrook, who came up with some elaborate, oh, Westbrook is an assault on my name and I'm doing this, protect my kids. These elitist athletes, have been convinced that all that should have is roses should be thrown at their feet. They should only receive positive affirmation. Anything that isn't positive affirmation is racism or over the top and fans need to be banned and how dare you. And and I, I was looking at people over social media acting like we should have a search party out looking to ban whoever this person is that yelled, you sucked. Yeah, that'll fix it. I mean, I grew up, and many people grew up, with the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. How did we get here where words are like death sentences, violent blows? I, I, so maybe I'm not saying things clearly. That's why I'm reaching out to someone smarter than me 
who's an expert on mental health issues, in comparison to me, on mental health issues as it relates to athletes. Uh, Royce, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, perhaps you're more sympathetic towards Naomi Osaka than I am. Well, thanks for having me back, man. I really appreciate it as always. And uh, I also appreciate the uh, the intro there. That was that was pretty cool. Um, l- let me start with this, because I do believe mental health is one of the most complex societal issues that we have to deal with. Um, and there are there are many nuances that need to be parsed out. And and I hope that we have a little bit of time to flush these out. Um, Like I said to you before, and I think that this is true, mental health is is not really about diagnosable illness, although that's a component, anxiety, depression, addiction, etc. But mental health is a way to say the human condition, right, Where, where mind, body and spirit converge. And I do believe that Osaka is having a genuine mental health crisis. Now, what that crisis is, is what has to be discussed and understood. I believe that she, like many in her generation, in our generation or in our modern culture, are suffering from a radical material and external validating culture, right? One that says external validation and and hyper-materialism will give you empowerment and it'll also make you healthy. But those things aren't a pretext for health. They're actually a pretext for uh, uncontrollable, unresolvable angst and despair, which ultimately are the are the precursor to suicide. And so I do feel for Osaka because I think that there's so much radical, um, unconstrained, unsorted emotion uh, there that, that I actually worry about the way she may cope. And I caution you and others who may be watching not to use the anomaly of an Osaka breaking down in front of the world on this huge stage as a representation of the greater mental health crisis in our culture. Because many people, and th- this was my point to the NBA, they wanted to tell me, for example, hey, you got anxiety, you're, you don't like to fly on planes, maybe you're just the anomaly. And if we just don't employ you or work with you, then we've solved the mental health issue or that, that athletes are sort of going to self-select themselves out of being able to compete and be a part of that pool if they have these issues. But I say this, many people are breaking down like Osaka in many places that we cannot see. And that's the real representation of the mental health crisis that we must confront instead of allowing her anomalous representation to the common eye, because many athletes don't really break down out in the in the public square like that. We shouldn't let that be our representation of the mental health crisis. Understand that that is a moment of weakness that is rightfully categorized as weakness. But many people have become weak in our modern American culture. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, or this is my interpretation of of what you said, external validation and materialism. Those were the two things. And I think you're a thousand percent on target that this social media environment that we have is all about external validation, likes, retweets, follows, everybody's. It's like we used to have this. We had people did used to enjoy external validation. It was kind of a recreational drug. It, it was kind of like, you know, 
on weekends, I may go seek out some external validation. I'm gonna dress up and go to a nightclub, dress sharp, and I'm gonna get my external validation. Now, and I'm gonna politely or try to analogize that, that's the cocaine era. People use cocaine on weekends. That's right. Social media is crack cocaine, and people use it seven days a week. And, and, and are in constant, oh, I gotta be validated external. And when I'm not, it's a, oh my God, where's my next hit? And, and that one little negative hit is, is something horrible. And then you, when you couple that with the materialism that you, you're talking about, and I think it's really is just an expression of hedonism, uh, we have, through music culture, through television, reality TV, Desperate Housewives, NFL Housewives, NBA Housewives, the rich and famous are shoved down people's faces. And if you don't have the designer clothes that they have, if you're not doing, your life is horrendous. Oh my God, look at the people I see on social media or in popular culture. They're all flashing their wealth. They're all living this awesome life and oh God, I just gotta have it just like them or I'm not happy and life has no meaning, life has no purpose. And so you combine those two, the crack cocaine, external validation, and the hedonism and materialism, and people without the external validation and without being able to acquire the materialistic goals that they have, they, life isn't worth living. I might as well just check out of here. I'm a loser. And, and I think all of that's 100% the assessment. Um, I'd add there's a, there's a third dark horse in this race, and that's wokeism. And, and what Osaka is really dealing with on a fundamental level is that, you know, first I'll say that I think Osaka having this breakdown is maybe the single greatest indictment of the prevailing ideology of wokeism in today's culture, that it is, in fact, a false catharsis. It, you know, you got your drugs and you got your lack of faith, the spiritual crisis. And that, that's what really we, what we talk about when we say hypermaterialism, it's a, a lack of faith. And she seems like a person who is struggling with faith. And when you struggle with faith, it's very easy to lose your identity in a hyper, uh, you know, a hyper magnified culture and in a reality TV, a sort of fake culture like professional sports has become. But but here's here's what I'm, I'm trying to get across to you. The whole pitch for wokeism was that these these sort of disordered charities, these these disordered beliefs about about wellness and 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 being um, tolerant of of many cultures or many identities and all of those things didn't add meaning to people's lives. They didn't they didn't solve the underlying fundamental suffering that people go through when they don't have faith. And you know what happens when you figure out that the man-made solution that the liberal establishment has tried to feed you as a false catharsis, you panic. That's what happens when you put all your eggs in this basket that the wokeism, the BLM neo-feminist movement that told me if I subscribe to these ideas, then, then I'll have meaning and fulfillment and a healthy, a healthy psychology, a wellness. When you figure out that that doesn't work, you have no choice but to panic. 
And Osaka is somebody who really bought in to the wokeism. And, and she's now discovering that she is a cog in a machine that has no interest in her wellness or health. And she doesn't know how to say no. She doesn't know how to detach herself from it like many people in our culture don't. It just so happens she's on a very big stage with very big rewards for participating in that machine. Man, you've unpacked a mouthful there because my mind started going to. She's just a symbol of what's going on with the entire culture is we went on this four or five year thing of, oh, my God, if we can just get rid of Donald Trump, life is going to be so much better on the other side. It's going to be perfect. We destroy Trump. We cancel all these people. We install the perfect language where no one really says what they believe. And everybody's putting we create all these safe spaces and life is going to get better. And now that we're in year one of post Trump, people are now we're into year two, actually, of post Trump. People are starting to realize, hey, this payoff isn't what they said it was going to be. Yeah. We got statues of George Floyd everywhere and he's a hero, but life is no better. People aren't any safer. Uh, my neighborhood is not safer. M- my work prospects, inflation's through the roof in order a tank of gas now is blah, 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 blah. And, and so many other and, and we're all at each other's throats. Our kids aren't learning in school what they should be learning. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, the basics, STEM, they're not learning, they're, they're being t- taught, you know, about sexuality, things that they're not even really ready for, prepared for. And so I, I think Osaka, as you're pointing out, like represents a panic that the entire country and the whole woke movement is going through because they were, oh, five years of let's just destroy Trump and we'll burn down any of these cities and anybody that agrees with him and we'll label them all as racist. And, and, and nothing's, nothing's gotten better. Actually, things have gotten worse. And that would set off panic. Wait a second. Wait a second. It gets worse because the panic didn't start post-Trump and it didn't start with Trump. This is an intergenerational hydra that is the, the fallout of Marxism. Okay, this is the Marxist communist Leninist ideology going astray because what what Marx wanted to do essentially is create the very the biggest truth lie, the the biggest truths, the biggest lies hide behind the greatest truths. Right. And Karl Marx laid out this class system. But the intention of it was not to give people meaning or fulfillment. The intention was to weaponize a populace at a very at a very easy to see enemy like a Donald Trump, for example. And this is how the mechanism of scapegoating is really and truly the greatest injustice done on common people by the establishment. When we say the system is guilty, when I was out there marching with the people for George Floyd, actually, let's clarify, I didn't march with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter marched with me. Um, but, But when I was out there and they said the entire system was guilty, this is what the spirit of that means. The trick is, and this is a trick played on them and the woke movement, they've just been weaponized and, and utilized in a, in a culture war. And the culture war 
is to disintegrate American citizenship and, and take people's faith in God. Because when you take people's faith in God, the state becomes their highest authority and whoever has the, the, the steering wheel of the mainstream uh, narrative culture. And right now that happens to be the liberals and they want a global agenda. And so, hey, none of you people are Americans. None of you people should believe in God. All of that are lies, white supremacy and, and myth. But what is true is there are rich people on top of you, mostly white Christian men um, who, who deserve your grievance and hatred. But here's the dirty little trick that's that's been hidden in there. The suffrage movement, the neo-feminist movement, that is the unholy partner of this beta male Marxist revolution. They've been weaponized specifically to say, hey, and this happened back in the 60s, the whole suffrage women's rights movement. The black man got the vote before the white woman did. That's really what the heart of this 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 neo-feminist faction of this neoliberal movement is about. That's the roots. The black man got the vote before the white woman. And so the white woman has gone to the black woman, like the Naomi Osaka's, and said, the black man got the vote before you. And now I'm seeing on Vox a few uh, weeks back or in recent, uh, in the last few days, I'm a little, you know, time and campaign and all of that stuff. But they're saying black men are the new white supremacists. Okay. And I only point that out, one, for the ludicrous, the, 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 the lunacy of the idea. But second, to point out that those types of catharsis for the social ills of being human will never satisfy the suffering. And this is why Osaka is breaking down in front of the world, because it's not enough to, to, to solve anxiety and despair at the fundamental level to say all of it is because of white and black men, white, powerful white and black men. That's not going to solve her crisis. And I'm very concerned that if she continues on down this road and doesn't have a realization that these types of modalities of thought are really a pretext for suicide. And that's why we see a spike in suicide and radical drug use in our modern culture. I want you to clarify, and I don't know, I can't predict what your opinion is, but I, I just want to hear it. When you talk about suffrage movement, People, the women's rights to vote. Are you suggesting that women shouldn't have the right to vote? No, not at all. No, I, I, I believe, again, the biggest lies hide behind the greatest truths. Right. And, and women certainly should have the right to vote and be Democratic participants. But what the enemy has done and will continue to do is go find a nugget of truth and drag society into deep waters because we don't have good philosophical foundations to be able to critically assess their movement and their motive. Okay. And, and so this is kind of what's happened to the right wing in this country or the establishment of, of Republicans. There's an Overton window and the left will cast, uh, uh, you know, cast a line way off into the left and, and, and say, meet us in the middle Republicans. And as the Republicans come to meet Democrats in the middle, they're slowly moving further left from center and they don't realize it or they realize it and they're in on it, which is another dangerous thing. But my point is that, yes, women should be allowed to to vote, of course, in a, in a, demo, in a doc, democracy, a sound democracy. But we've went all the way from women should be have the right to vote to now there's an intersectional movement that tries to isolate and, and identify margin marginality amongst identity. And ultimately, that means we should accept that a woman can get pre that a man can get pregnant. 
Okay, these are culture wars. These are info wars, and and they're being played right out in the in the in the in the in the you know right out in front of us. And the ultimate injustice that's been done is that our education is a pretext for us to be sheep. When we say education is the key, we have to go back and really, really think long and hard about what we mean when we say educational reform. Because all we've done is given people fast food culture and politics. Fast food culture and politics that come with french fries and it, it's, it's consolidated into a new faith of liberalism. Mm. Man, you gave me a lot to think about. People are sitting there listening. Whitlock, I wanna hear you talk about women's right to vote. I want to hold my tongue and think a little bit more. Not that, because I do think they have a right to vote and should vote, and I think it was the right thing to do. But when you have a culture this hostile to male leadership, uh, that's when it becomes dangerous to me because uh, when you really get down to the core of all of this, and as long as uh, like over in the Ukraine, as long as they're sending women away and you guys go run for safety, you guys, blah, blah, men up to age 55 or 60, you stay your butt here and fight and die. As long as that's pretty much the custom around the world, it's like, hey, men are required to ante up a little bit more than women. And there should be some kind of privilege that goes along with that. Because when, when the spit hits the fan, one group is expected to stay and die and sacrifice their life, and another group, just like back on when the Titanic uh, uh, went underground, the Titanic, the ship, go look at the stats, how many women survived and how many men died. I think all but like 5% of the men died and 80, 90% of the women survived. As long as that's the case, uh, there needs to be some respect for male leadership. And so I hope I've, I've said enough there to where I've told you what I think without getting myself in a bunch of trouble. Uh, but that is what I think. Uh, Royce, uh, awesome job as always, actually. Uh, that may be some of your best work. I can't believe where you just took the Naomi Osaka conversation that you will not hear that conversation about Osaka anyplace else but on this show and from Royce White. All right, let me tell you guys about Bank on Yourself. Do you really control your retirement money? If you have a 401k, IRA, or similar retirement plan, the government actually controls it. They decide how much you can borrow and when you must pay it back. Plus, You'll owe taxes and penalties for taking money out too soon or waiting too long, even though it's your money. And thanks to our skyrocketing national debt, who knows how much you'll have to pay in taxes during a retirement that could last 30 years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. Guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income, no luck, skill, or guesswork required. In fact, Bank on Yourself has a 160-year-plus track record of positive growth. You don't have to beg permission or pledge your firstborn to use your own money. Perhaps the best reason of all, you'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day you plan to tap into it, and at the very point, at every point along the way. 
Go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless to get a free report with all the details. Bank on Yourself can help you take, mu- take back control of your money. Go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless right now, guys. I, I sat and talked with the people that founded this company last week. This is something all of us that believe in self-sufficiency, self-reliance, we should all be looking into this and getting involved. Just do the research, do the homework. Go to the website, do the research for yourself. Trust me, in these times, with these big banks out of control, you need to take control of your finances, particularly as it relates to your retirement. You need control of that. You need to be as self-reliant. Those of you that have bought guns and have prepared for if chaos breaks out, you need to be making those same kind of plans and and putting the foundation in place so that you can be self-reliant and in charge of your money and know exactly how much money you have and access to it uh, in your retirement. Go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless right now. Uncle Jimmy. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, Royce White just did a good job. We'll see if Uncle Jimmy can do even better. Uh, Uncle Jimmy's here for the approval rating, but uh, you got a couple of topics you want to run by me before we get to the approval rating? Is that what I've been told? Topics. Topics are, that that's putting it mildly. That, that's putting. It, I just got a couple things going on that I, I I just need your clarification, your your, your wisdom. Oh, your your you know your your greatness. The first thing you should have asked me about is that jacket and pants combination. They're two different kinds of greens. Okay, well you know what? what? If you didn't break it all down, I'm trying to show you how to make a decor with with, with this fearless fashion. Oh. I'm trying to show you how you can mix it up a little bit. Mix okay? it matches. That was it. You, you got some granimals. Hey, look here. It, it, it looked good on TV. You they didn't have to make, look. Mixed in this chair. Mix, it looked good. Thank you, bro. 
You, Come on. You still you still almost the right size for gray animals, almost, but look, you get, I, a, little, you get I, a little top heavy, man. Look, I'm, I can still fit into a medium. Come on, man. Let's <laughs> go. Right, anyway, go. Well, anyway, what, man, what look, top? seriously. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've been checking us. You know, we got the college basketball going on. Well, just recently in the Barkley Center, Kyrie Irving was. Barkley. Charles Barkley has a center? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big one. The Barclay Center. The Barclay Center. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Right. Okay. The, the Barclay Center. Yeah. Anyway, Kyrie was at a college game, sitting courtside. And you are aware that Kyrie Irving also works at the Barclay Center. Yes, I am aware. The Brooklyn <laughs> he's, Nets play. He's a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. He can now, so he can go sit courtside at a game, but he can't participate in the game. Okay? So somebody asked KD about it, and KD had this to say about it. All right? Let, let's take a look. What was the feeling when Kyrie comes into the building and sits courtside, walks with you guys into the locker room, but obviously can't take two steps onto the floor and play? It's ridiculous. Like, I don't understand it at all. I mean, can't, is it every, it's a few people in our arena that's unvaxxed, right? Like, they lifted all of that in our arena, right? So what's the – I don't get it. It's a like, second mandate that says he can come in but can't play. Yeah, I don't get it. It just feels like at this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement or a point um to flex their authority um but you know everybody out here looking for attention and that's what i feel like the the mayor wants right now some attention you know um but he'll figure it out soon he better um but it just didn't make any sense like there's unvaxxed people in this building already we got a guy who uh can come into the building i guess are they fearing our safety with like i don't get it so yeah, we're all confused. Pretty much everybody in the world is confused at this point. Early on in the season, you know, people didn't understand what was going on, but now it just looks stupid. So hopefully, Eric, you you got to figure this out. Mm. Mm. Now hold on, you, hold on for one. I got to clarify. Okay. See, I misunderstood. I heard about this, but that's the first I've seen it. Because actually. He's talk because he was at the Duke game at the Barclays Center. I saw that. Right. And then Durant, after yesterday's game, was talking about Kyrie's at the game, but if he steps on the court and sweats with those guys, it's very dangerous. It can cause you to get COVID. But if he's just on the sidelines breathing, that's completely safe. And he said he can walk into the locker room. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he can walk into the locker room. Probably get in the shower if he wants. <laughs> I mean, but wait, wait, wait. But hold on, hold on. It gets better. It gets better. If you would, please, before you, before we go. Gotcha. I need you to see this next take. And this, this is the one that, that got Uncle Jimmy's juices flowing, okay? Mm. And I mean, literally. This is your boy. Your boy, Michael Wilborn. Will Bond. Will Bond. Will Bond. Will Bond. Hey, man, take a look at this video. Please. Grant is too aware and too plugged in to say something that impertinent. What's the point of that? Want some attention? You want to call out somebody, call out your teammate. Tell him to get a shot. Because he's got plenty of them because he couldn't have gone to grade school in metropolitan New York without vaccines. I mean, all these guys want to be so irresponsible and not accountable enough to look at this dude and tell him, you want to play with us? Get a sh Put a shot in your arm. The vaccine is not about attention. People died, hundreds of thousands of them, from this virus. And you, you think the mayor of New York needs to attend to a basketball team's needs, your needs, before he needs to attend to the needs of a metropolitan area, the biggest in America? Are you kidding me? I mean, Kevin, and again, Kevin Durant, there's some knuckleheads who would say stuff like this. I'd probably let it go. 
Kevin Durant is too smart and too plugged in. Everybody wants to tell you how woke they are. And then I got to hear something like that. That's offensive. Stop. Jason. Jason. Them's your people, man. Come on, man. <sighs> you put me in a tough spot. You, you put me in a tough. Act like it's in an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Work your way out of it. I appreciate that. That gives me some time to think about how I'm going to handle this. Listen, man, uh, Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. Tell your boy to get a shot in his arm. Wow. Wow, we doing it like that, bro? Well, you know, that segment was sponsored by McDonald's. And so he You know, McDonald's killed far more people than COVID ever dreamed of killing. Let, let's don't go there, but I'm fast just food. Jesus fast food. Christ. Let's take McDonald's out, but Come on. They're, they're, <sighs> Time's up. Come inject, on, give me an answer, man. Inject McDonald's into your system and the shot. I get hey, you be all right. I'm 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 beating around the bush because I look, Mike and Tony are, are dear friends of mine. I don't I don't understand what Mike's doing there, particularly the passion and getting that loud because it's so obvious what Kevin Durant is pointing out to anybody uh, committed to honesty and objectivity and common sense for the man, for the rules to allow the man to sit in the arena, but not run up and down the court. It's stupid and ridiculous. And Kevin Durant has every right to point it out. I don't understand why Mike is going over the top on this. I've never understood the Passionate, and I get that Mike's vaccinated because he works at ESPN and he has to. And so, right, right. this is where what happens with the elites that are dependent because Kyrie is not as dependent on his employer as Mike is on his. They're both elites. Mike's made a lot of money. Mike could walk away, but you know, he's not interested in that. Uh, where Kyrie did walk away. He showed a pair, I'm not getting this vaccine. I'm not doing it. I just, it goes against my beliefs. I'm not doing it. Kyrie stood his ground on what he believed and backed it up in a real way. I just, I don't understand why anybody would be shouting at this person, you got to do it my way. You got And the reason to do it is because it's like, I did it. I took the risk. I folded to keep my job. You must do it, too. That's the mentality of a lot of elites and just a lot of groupthink people. Uh, and I think it's wrong. And, and, and we should be respectful of Kyrie Irving making a different decision. It's not a decision for everybody. But as I've said, Mike's had heart problems. He's close to 60 years old. I don't blame him for taking the shot. Kyrie Irving doesn't blame him for taking the shot. But Kyrie Irving is in peak physical condition. He's half of Mike's age at a minimum. And, and there's just no reason for him to take the shot if he doesn't want to. Right, right. And, and I think at this point, as of, is today March 14th? Yeah, March 14th. We've all come to the conclusion that COVID is over and that you really have to come to the conclusion that the people that didn't take the shot right. 
and survived. They made the right decision. We, we have to admit that at this point. They made the right decision. Those of you that took the clot shot, I mean the uh, COVID shot, I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> You're maybe second guessing your, your decision. It's, it's kind of like if, if I injected strychnine into my veins, I want you to inject strychnine into your veins. You know, so we monkey can all. see monkey do. Everybody's go. jumping off a building. How come you didn't jump off, Kyrie? Honestly, man, one of the things that gets me about this whole thing, and we talk about Kyrie Irving, we talk about KD. From what I heard from KD, normally we get mad at athletes because we say that you sound crazy. This guy said, I don't know. This guy said, explain it to me. He said, make it make sense. You can't be mad at somebody for asking you that. But then now you question it. Oh, are you smarter than that? No, he's telling you. Kyrie, you know, we question his intelligence. I have to respect these guys and what they're doing and what they're saying. But I just don't understand why, especially Mike Wilborn. You know, Mike, Mike is a good dude. And now, you know, it's almost like when, you did, when, when Kyrie did something wrong, they had Kareem come and get on him. Now you got Mike getting on him, and Stephen A. got on him earlier. I mean, come on, y'all. Stop that, man. You respect these brothers' opinion. This is America, man. Certainly is. All right, what's your other topic? Also, also well, in New York, let me ask you a question. Ah, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of John Cooper? Yeah, he's former Ohio State football coach. I don't think that's this guy, man. Because <laughs> this John Cooper, this oh. dude got 900,000 followers on Twitter. Okay. Oh, okay. he's in politics, the guy you're talking about. Well, whoever he is, I don't know whoever he is. He's, supposed, he's a democratical politician in New York. But bottom line is, this dude tweeted out, Jason, and I, I, this is mine. He tweeted out the most acidine comment I heard all weekend on Twitter. Honestly, this dude tweeted out a statement, and let me get this right here, that said, uh, let, let's see, it says, uh, Brady is not retiring from the NFL. It says not retiring. It says that the NFL is welcoming back. It says, who else wishes that the NFL would welcome back Colin Kaepernick instead? <laughs> you wish they'd bring Kaepernick no, back? No, that was his little hand waving. Oh. That was his little hand. But hold on, before you answer that, before you answer, if I may, because I thought, okay, that's just one person. Blah, blah. You know there's more people out there that's thinking this? More people are out here trying to tie in Tom Brady announcing he's coming back. They tying that into Colin Kaepernick. Now, wait, but you got to listen to this one. Tom Brady can unretire, but Colin Kaepernick can't even get a tryout. Hmm. Can I do one more? Yeah. You mean like Brady choosing to announce that he's coming back just a couple of hours after Kaepernick says he still wants to play? To take all away from the attention from that, it's a crime. This man doesn't have a job. <laughs> hey, man, talk to me about your people, man. It, it's, it's social media. Social media's job is to dumb down America. And that's what social media is doing. It's dumbing down America. It's dumbing down American discourse. We can't have serious discussions. We can't focus on real things. We can't talk about what's really important because social media baits us to talk about idiocy and stupidity. Tom Brady finished second in MVP voting 
last year. He's won seven Super Bowls. There's nothing analogous of Tom Brady and Colin Kaepernick. Only Twitter can do this, and it does it. There used to be, like, before you could enter into public discourse, there used to be some qualifications you would have to meet. Right. Twitter has given every idiot the, the, the credentials they need to, to talk in public discourse, and all you need is access to the internet. That's the qualifications. If your IQ is 10, what? 15, <laughs> you're qualified. If you can type, if you can punch some keyboard, you're qualified. It, it's, it's a ridiculous analogy. It's embarrassing. It, it really is. All right. Let's go. Let's get, let's get to our approval rating for uh, Tom Brady. Uh, he's coming out of retirement. Uh, as I just said, uh, he finished second in MVP voting just a year ago. So in job performance, I got to give him almost a perfect score of 24. Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback that really outplayed him last year. Uh, so a 24 in job performance. I gave him a 16. They was did you didn't hear anything I said? They're 13 and 4. Yeah. Okay. All right. Including the playoffs. So I heard what you just said. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said that Tom Brady's great. Second he's the greatest of all time. And at the rate he's going, he ain't going to never let us forget it, will he? So at, I'm giving him a 16. I, I, I would have gave him a perfect score, but I'm going to take some off just for him just keeping it up, man. I'm sick of this dude, man. Uh, character. Oh, boy. Let's have uh, some fun. I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving him a 21 in character. As you heard me talk about with TJ earlier in the show, I, I don't like the way he's handled this retirement. Okay, you're giving him a 21 for character. You know why? Because you're not a father. Okay, what I see Tom Brady doing is horrible. I give him a zero. This man is supposed to be a family man, right? Yeah. He's supposed to be a family man. He's supposed, he's at this time in his life, he's supposed to be at home with his wife and his badass kids, right? This dude been home for 30 days, 40 days, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, hell no. Hey, man, listen, look here, man. He can't take these kids. He, he's, he would rather go back to work and get hit by a cement truck than deal with these kids. Let me tell you something. You ain't a, you ain't a parent, Jason. I'm going to tell you something. Being a parent and dealing with kids will make you go out and commit a crime just so you can get out the house. <laughs> you be telling the kids, Daddy be back in a little while. <laughs> Hopefully your little bad ass be out the house by then. That's what Tom Brady doing, man. Uh, He's supposed to be a family man. Authenticity. I don't think there was anything authentic about his retirement. That's why I'm only giving him a 14 in authenticity. I give him a six. Or should I say six, six, six? <laughs> oh, look, he's Illuminati now. Look, man, no, not him. Let, let me let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what happened. Tom Brady was ready to retire. He was ready to retire. Next thing you know, his wife done lit some candles, done, done put them all in the middle of a pentagram. Them little kids done came around and started quoting Harry Potter verses. Next thing you know, Tom Brady's like, I want to play football again. <laughs> now, Tom Brady want to retire. That, that wife and them kids, they, got, they, they, they making him stay in well, there. You just contradicted your last comment. Now you say he wanted to retire. He wanted to. She he, done put them spirits on him, man. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right, it factor. Uh, I got to give him a perfect score of 25. He, he overshadows everything. Yesterday was NCAA Selection Sunday, and Tom Brady just wiped it off the face of the earth. 
You know what? It, I, first of all, I'm going to give him a 16. Okay, 16. And I'm going to give him a 16 because Tom Brady is a whore. Okay? All right. And, and I don't know who, who's a bigger whore, him or LeBron James. Okay? Because the bottom line is he can't have it. He can't have the spotlight on nobody else. It's got to be on him. Tom Brady is a media, media attention-seeking whore. And that's why he has to get back in the game, because he, he can't let this limelight leave him, man. Honestly. Uh, somehow, Jimmy, you have Tom Brady at a dumpster fire. I'm done with him. Uh, the man's got seven su- Super Bowl rings. He finished second in the MVP voting. I got him at a smoke show, 84. I'm sure he'll be back. Tom Brady reminds me of Jesse Jackson. <laughs> I'll be glad when you get the hell up out of here. Oh, that's tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.